Welcome to No Challenges Remaining on day six of the 2020 U.S. Open. I'm Ben Rothenberg. It's been an incredible and dramatic, or I should say, incroyable and dramatique week for French tennis in New York. Not because of that much winning, per se, though Caroline Garcia did beat top-seeded Carolina Pliskova and Alizé Cornet has made the fourth round, but because of the pair 11, maybe known in French as l'ons pair, quelque chose comme ça, and the way that the seven players who were in closest contact with Pair before he became the first and so far only player, still only player to test positive for coronavirus in New York, have been treated how they were originally kept in the tournament with lots of rules and now eventually excused from the tournament and put in more severe quarantine while some of them were still in the tournament. So those seven players included two Belgians, Kirsten Flipkins and Isseline Bonaventure, as well as five French players, Edouard Roger Vasselin, Grégoire Barrère, Richard Gasquet, Adrian Manorino, and Kiki Mladenovic. We mentioned on yesterday's show the confusion around Manorino's match yesterday against Zverev being delayed for two and a half hours, and there was even more confusion of a similar sort today when Kiki Mladenovic's second-round doubles match, she was the top-seeded pair with Tamea Babos, they've won three slams together, was removed from the order of play altogether. As we eventually found out, Nassau County in Long Island, which is the county where the Player Bubble Hotel is located, ruled that she and the rest of the seven should be quarantined for up until next Sunday, 14 days after they were last in contact with pair, not to leave their hotel rooms. So in essence, she was yanked from the tournament by health officials, defaulted for that reason. Manorino yesterday probably only got to play because he was already at the tournament, already on site, when the Nassau County ruling came out. And Nassau County's next door to Queens County, which is part of New York City, where the tournament is, for those of you who don't know, you're New York geography. So I shouldn't say that's the end of the drama for France, because obviously Alizé Cornet is still in the tournament. She's always drama, but it's end of the first week pair fallout, we think. And so to discuss the French foibles and the fast approaching French Open, qualifying of which begins in just two weeks, even though we're only halfway through the U.S. Open, I'm joined again on NCR by Le Keep reporter Quentin Moinet, who was originally on NCR for the first time earlier this year in Brisbane during ATP Cup. Here is my chat with Quentin live over Zoom from his home in Paris. Very excited to be joined by my friend, Quentin Moinet of L'Equipe. Quentin, you'll remember, was on the show back in uh, Brisbane during ATP Cup, was on NCR. Quentin, remember when we used to go places and see people and do things? That was that was nice. That was a long time ago. You mean when tennis was still alive, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> before, before we get to the... I'm going to talk to you about French tennis, but I'm curious just what it's been like for you covering this tournament from a different continent, from six hours time difference, how, how it's been for you, for you so far in France. Not easy. You talked about the six hours difference. It's, it means we mostly work at night. Like, like mm -hmm. the, the night sessions could be over like, like 7 or 8 a.m. sometimes in, in Paris. We're like vampires right now. But <laughs> other than that, I feel like we've been talking more about what we're going to talk right now, about right now more about French, the French drama than about tennis. So it's really a weird uh, time. Yeah, I, I kind of feel too, like the tennis hasn't totally been the focus here yet. And I think also it's just, I feel like it's also harder to talk, to follow all the tennis, because you know, you can only really watch one match at a time, most people while you're streaming at home or watching TV or whatever. And so I feel like you don't get the, the full tournament experience as much this way. 
covering it not being on site and so you kind of have to talk more about the non-tennis stories almost those yeah. are easier to follow in some ways i think than actually talking about every player yeah in a way it gave us some things to talk about you know it was easier in a way to have the Ben Rapper story and everything because we had things to talk about more than just tennis which with the time difference is not easy so let's talk about Ben Rapper I know you've followed Ben Rapper closely for several years uh what, were, what was your reaction when you heard the news of his positive test if, if anyone was going to he's the only player to have tested positive so far in New York were you surprised that it was him there was quite a joke about it before the the, the U.S. swing, if if we can call it a swing, mm-hmm. that a French if a French guy had to have it, it would be him. But you know, it's maybe not very fair for him because we don't know how he got it. We don't. We're not even sure if he really got it. But even if he got it, maybe it's not his fault at all. So, yeah. but you know, with, with everything that's. You know, the, we all know Benoit Paire, he likes to party and everything, but maybe this has nothing to do with it. So it's maybe quite unfair the, the way people have been talking about him. No, it's entirely true. We, we don't know where he got it. We don't know if he got it in France, on the airplane, in New York somewhere, on site at the US Open, he could have gotten it. We don't we don't know where he picked this up potentially. Mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly. I, I agree. It's not a good time to judge. But I want to talk about the, the sort of social dynamics of the of the French crew, the yeah. French team on tour. I mean, the issue, obviously, so if Pear comes out of the tournament, that's simple enough. One guy leaves. But then there was this issue of all the t- people who have been spending time with Benoit Pear, you know, the so-called Pear 11. <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't know if you, how you, what well, nickname is that in French, like the Lens Pear or something like that. But I, can you just describe, I guess, the sort of social network of the French people? Because I've seen them at tournaments around tour. I mean, you know them better than I do, but... They're a very social group, the, the French players. They, yeah. they they spend a lot of time together. So it's not surprising, you know, of all the sort of communities on tour that, that a pair positive would result in the most sort of people. He's a very social guy. Yeah. So, that's yeah. What, that's if you could, if you could describe like, the pairs, it, yeah. Pair, pair is, is, is friend with almost everybody on tour. So he has maybe one or two guys he don't, he don't like. But other than that, he likes to talk with everybody. So I'm even maybe surprised there's not more than 11, you know. I mean, yeah. 30, so. And then, yeah, the, the French players are quite close with each other. The, the minute they, they knew about Benoit Paire positive uh, tests, uh, they created a WhatsApp group between the seven of them, the, just the French guys and, and Mladenovic. And for example, two days ago, they also created, I think, a house party. I don't know if you know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the app, yeah. They spent a lot of time on it to just chat and play games and everything. So, yeah. I mean, maybe this, what happened in, in New York, maybe got them even closer. They all have something in common now and all have something to complain about together and everything. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of complaining, I guess, yeah, Kiki Mladenovic got some criticism from the way she was, after she lost her, you know, epic collapse of 6-1-5-1 up against yeah. uh, Gracheva, for complaining a lot about the abominable way she said she was treated. How are how those comments received back in back in France from, from Kiki? Um, I think most of the people thought she went a bit too far. I mean, they understood. In a way, what she said, she didn't only said that. She also said she didn't lose because of the situation. She yeah. said it. But at the same time, the situation was for her uh, a nightmare. So people thought maybe she went too far. But at the same time, we could understood understand the frustration. I personally am more on the Corentin Moutet's line. Which, which yesterday I think he said, like, okay, it's not easy, but at the same time, there's worse things going on right now, so we can't really complain. 
but that's maybe when you have uh, on one side Kikin Mladenovic saying she feels like a prisoner or a criminal and on the other end players like Manarino or Mute saying there's worse thing in life than being locked up in a room for a few days. Maybe that's also what made her look like a bit uh, too much. And Gregoire Barrere also is one of the one of the seven. He was went even further. Yeah. Said he felt like you know a rock star. He felt like Federer. He gets his own private car. He gets his own room. He felt like a celebrity, yeah. being one of the one of one of the people. So I I, I like I like that attitude a lot. And yeah, just two of taking things, just accept them, and on the other end fighting them and feel shitty about it. No. Well, talking about fighting, there was a lot of conflict over what would happen with Adrian Manorino. I mean, you were saying before we talked that you weren't sure about how all this works, and it is confusing, but basically there seems to be different decisions coming from the county of Nassau yeah. County, which is where the hotel is, and the city of New York, and where, you know, the tournament is, and then the state of New York, which controls all of them. Manorino's match, you know, was delayed by two and a half hours as there was debate of whether or not he'd be able to continue playing. One explanation I saw today, which I think makes sense, and I don't think it's been confirmed yet, but that Manorino was already on site at the U.S. Open. Yeah, I saw that. When Nassau County, which is where the hotel is, decided mm-hmm. they didn't want him to play, but he was already outside of the county, and so they, they decided they let him play. But if he'd won that match, if he could continue in the tournament or not, I, I don't know. So... Obviously, French tennis has had a lot of good times in its recent past, for sure. But what does it feel like having this week continuing to get messy and messier on their side? And, and I guess Manorino specifically, too, as just as it keeps going. as We thought this was over, but now it's still kind of disintegrating further. Yeah, I think today with what's happening to Kristina Mladenovic, the yeah. main thing is where's the consistency? You know, like we feel like in France generally, we don't really understand how you could let them play for almost a week. And just yesterday, Manarino, we don't know for, he's been in the dark for hours. He don't know if he can play or not. And then today, Kristina Manarino, she's out. So you had just explained why the, 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 the situation between the, the county and the city. But from France perspective, we don't really, first, we don't really understand. We don't even know what the county is. We don't have this kind of thing. We just have cities. So it feels weird. And it feels like there's really no, it's it's not coherent. Co- coherent, I don't know if it's the word in English. Coherent, yeah, yeah. Yeah, coherent. So that's the main thing. We don't understand how things could change so fast between a few days ago when they all could play. And even the week before, uh, Peya and Delia, they couldn't. Then they can, they can, the French guys can, and the Belgian, Belgian girls can. And now this, they can't again. So we that's the main thing. We don't really understand what's going on. And I think what's surprising to me, too, about all of this is that this is not that complicated of a scenario, you know? This is one guy testing positive. Yeah. This should have been, this should have been a scenario that the U.S. Open was very prepared for and had answers for. But to keep being changing the rules of what's going to happen to these people on day five and day six, you know, we, we saw the protocols in terms of there were very strict things that kept them in the tournament. I think it was surprising maybe people that this group was originally allowed in the tournament mm-hmm. to keep playing because they, you know, they had been in touch with Benoit at this card game or whatever else they were doing, they set together. And then, yeah, then they were putting this, always having security guards, always in their own rooms, could never leave their rooms. Even on site, they were followed around by people all the time and kept in private locked rooms at all times and kept away on the grandstand court, which was sort of the, the colony for the, the sick people or possibly sick people. They wanted to keep away from everyone else. And so... Knowing that, it was, I was a little surprised they were allowed to keep playing. But then, yeah, for the opinions to be changing in the third round yeah. of the singles tournament. And now, Milenovic today, you alluded to that, but I haven't said it on here. Yeah, Milenovic today was just ousted by the authorities from the tournament. From She's the top seed in doubles, along with Tamea Babos. 
and they were kicked out of the tournament in the second round by basically a Nassau County decision. So, yeah, the lack of consistency is is crazy. And if if Manorino had won yesterday, yeah. and after all of that had been, you know, allowed to play only to then get 24 hours later, or less than 24 hours later, then kicked out of the tournament again, you know, if I was Zverev, I'd be furious at that. Uh, I think everybody at, in the U.S. must have been for Zverev yesterday because it would have been a mess otherwise. Well, maybe, but we also like mess. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> at the tournament for sure. But I think people... And seeing, you know, seeing this lack of, you know, preparation get exposed. And this is one of the things, you know, there's a lot of debate, obviously, I'm sure in the U.S. there was tons. And I'm sure there is in, in France, too, about whether or not it's a good idea to have these events right now. Yeah. And even just aside from the whether or not you're going to make more people sick or not question, which is the main question, is also, you know, the question of just are, is everyone prepared? Is this going to be a sort of fair, you know, normal tournament? And for the most part, it has. I mean, this is still... A relatively small pocket of this tournament that's being affected by this but that small pocket has been a, a big mess so all the french players i believe are out now at least of singles so the story is uh, still uh alizé cornet oh cornet okay yeah right and Mute right now right okay there you go so two questions on them do you know anything about cornet's new book i heard she has a book out have you read it yeah i, I read it it's not really i mean it's about her but it's mostly about meditation She's been into meditation for the past huh. three or four years, which for some people might look weird considering how she can behave sometimes on court. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the main thing. She's been using meditation to control more her emotions on court. She, she says that she needs the emotions to go out sometimes. It helps her. It gave her, gives her the motivation she needs to fight. And she's always been a great fighter. But at the same time, sometimes sometimes she goes too far. She knows it. Like we've seen videos of her talking of badly to the coaches, even the boyfriend. So that's mainly about it, about how she uses it. What, what is what is the, 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 the meditation thing? So it's quite interesting, but you need to be uh, at least a bit into these kinds of things. So it's not so much a biography at all then? It's, it's also about her, about the career. There's some anecdotes about her, her career. For example, there's one about Azarenka. Just, it was funny because I read it just before the, her match against her in, uh, in New York, but for Cincinnati. And mm -hmm. she said she couldn't, she couldn't see her, she couldn't stand her. And it, and it was the, the same way, uh, the other way around. They, they both couldn't stand each other, so it was quite funny. Oh, why? Why did they say there's a reason for that? She didn't really get into it. She just said, uh, "Sometimes these, these things happen. Uh, we, uh, we can't. We just can't stand each other." So I don't know if there's some <laughs> something behind it, one particular story. But apparently, they're really not friends at all. Okay, good to know. A French player with a uh, drama—that's shocking. And then, <laughs> and then, yeah, and then the other player who's in uh, Mute still. I don't think a lot of American fans are that familiar with Mute yet, but he's had some good results. He's a, a very super aggressive player. Uh, it's fun to watch his big yeah. personality. Makes makes a lot of music during quarantine. I remember I, I, he he just seems like an intense guy. He, so he, I'm, yeah, I, yeah. He, how, he, how would you describe Mute? I mean, I think if if you if People, American people don't know him yet. They, they should know him. They should watch him for his first because he's a very show, he's, he's a showman on, on court. Not like, for example, Gael Monfils, but just the way he plays. He, he has a, an amazing hand. He can do everything on court. He's not very powerful because he's quite small, but he, he's very fast and he can do anything. He has all the shots in his hands. But more than that, that's funny because I, I talked to him 
just a few weeks ago in a Sofia Antipolis at the uh, Muatoglu Academy uh, during the UTS he was playing. Um, and we talked a lot about emotions because, like you said, he's very intense on court. He brings a lot of emotions on court. And he told me he wishes the tour would let, would let players express them more and don't punish them with fines every time they shout or break a racket. He said uh, one sentence, for example, was difference is forbidden on tour because if sometimes feels like he's different and he feels like everybody on tour needs to be the same and behave the same. So maybe in, in that way, it's quite like Nick Kyrgios, but he's not the guy who's going to shout at, at the refer, uh, at the, the umpire after a bad point. But sometimes just he needs to break a racket. He needs to, to, to shout because he's mad at himself. It's always against himself. I mean, he's not going to change. I think he told me he's not going to change on that. It's, it's just the way he is. But at the same time, I think he already changed because it was way worse when he was younger. Uh, I think one of his former coaches once told me he used to drive his parents and his coaches crazy because of his behavior. Uh, once it almost got physical with, with his coach at the time. Uh, but at the same time, this guy never gives up. It's also his strength. Sometimes it's, it's his weakness because he'll, he'll lose his focus because of it. But... At the same time, it's also a big strength of him because he never gives up. So I think he's a really interesting guy to, to follow on tour. For sure. Yeah, looking forward to following him. Looking, Enjoyed hear, hearing his music so far. <laughs> Anyone who's making music in the tennis world, I approve of. Last sort of thing. So after this, the, the next big tournament, well, Rome is coming up the, right after the day after the U.S. Open ends. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then a week break. And then the French Open is scheduled with qualifying, unlike the U.S. Open. Yeah. Last I heard, there was going to be still thousands of fans allowed on site. What what can you say about the, how the French Open is shaping up and how much things are, are changing in France? Because I also hear there's, you know, many more cases and numbers going up. So yeah, what, is the level of, what is the level of confidence in preparation that the French Open uh, is going to happen the way they currently intend? Well, first, they really watched closely what's been happening uh, inside, the, inside the U.S. bubble. I mean, uh, controlled environment, should I say. Uh, what we know for sure is that they've decided to book two hotels for players, staffs, and also French Federation members. It's not official yet, but it's, it's going to be like this. Uh, most likely, private housing won't be allowed. So okay. that's something that could push some players not to come, I guess. I don't know for sure, but maybe. And like you said, they're still planning on having spectators. Right now, the rule in France is not more than 5,000 people for any events, not only sports, but you can have some sorts of derogation sometimes. And French Open most likely wants to have one. They're planning to have, they're still planning to have as much as 20,000 people on site, I think at least for the first week, which seems like a lot. That seems but crazy. I mean, like, honestly, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think honestly, I mean, French, because people have been to Roland Garros now. Roland Garros is not a very big place. No, it's, the, the, it's small. The, it's crowded. It's the smallest of and, the four slams by far. It can be crowded on normal circumstances when there's that many people. And so have that during a pandemic, you know, you know just even just walking around the grounds and, you know, when the, I don't know, waiting in line for the bathroom and all the other things outside of just actually sitting down to watch the matches. That seems that seems crazy to me, and and none of the tournaments so far. I mean, the U.S. Open obviously having zero fans, so it's a huge, huge jump from zero to twenty thousand. And then that just yeah. seems like it, it seems like you add the risk so much more because the fans and everybody are not in any sort of controlled environment or bubble. They're you know living yeah. their normal lives. 
well, they would have to to wear masks all t- all the time, even on the st- in the stands. I mean, that was the plan a few weeks ago. They didn't say they would they wanted to change the plan, but the situation in France changed uh, in the past few weeks. I mean, it was okay st- till July, but since August, it's, it's been there's been a lot and lot a lot of cases. Like I think today, it's like six between five thousand and seven thousand each day. So it's mm-hmm. a lot of new cases. So maybe it's gonna change again. Maybe they're gonna go back to five five thousand and masks everywhere. I don't I don't know yet. I really know that they don't want to do it with no spectator. So if they are, if they have no choice between no spectator and not at all, I don't know what they would do. But right now they want spectators and they can have at least five thousand, maybe more. So we'll see what they want to do at the end. It's gonna be interesting to watch because you know the U.S. has been. I, it's like even though we started off with obviously with all the pair chaos and everything, I think it has been relatively successful at keeping the tournament yeah. going for the most part. But you're just adding so much more risk before we seem ready. And you know, when we all saw obviously how Adria Tour went, and that was yeah. less than twenty thousand people. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, well, Quentin, thank you. Right, so, the, and for media side, it's, they're going to have it pretty normal at the French Open. You know what that's going to be? No, like? I think it's going to be maybe half something like that. We don't we don't have the exact number, yeah. but. There's gonna be there's gonna be people. I I don't know, for example, for foreign uh, journalists if they're gonna be yeah. able to come. Even more from the US, I don't know what the the situation will yeah. be in uh, in two weeks. But for us, for example, usually we come l'équipe. We are like twelve on site, and this year we should be like five or six. Mm. No, it, yeah, Courtney and I still don't know what our status is for. French Open, which is crazy because it's in two weeks. Yeah, or something. so, you, so you, you couldn't book anything yet? No, I think we just don't know. I mean, I haven't decided yet. I also don't know if I want to go and we'll see okay. if I can cover the same remotely. You know, if you can't talk to people, if I can't go to, you know, yeah, the player exactly. lounge to find people and to have one-on-ones with people in person, like, and that, of what's the point of traveling there? Yeah. If you're just going to do everything over video anyway? Yeah, it's initially going to be like that. You, you, you're you not going to be able yeah. to, to go to the player's lounge. So, yeah, so maybe, maybe it makes sense to do it there. But I know Courtney's obviously in a different position. She does radio for them. So we'll find, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a, a very different situation. Very weird year. But, uh, mm-hmm. Quentin, good to have you back on, on NCR. I appreciate you making Enjoy. time for it. <laughs> Enjoy. Merci. Thank you, Quentin. And I am a terrible talk show host interviewer because I didn't give Quentin a chance to properly plug his new book, which you should all buy if you read French or even if you don't and just like nice things. His book is called Out. In French, the subtitle is Histoires dingues et décalées, le tennis comme vous le n'avez jamais vu, which basically translates to crazy tennis stories you've probably never heard before. So if you want, so if you read French and want to learn more about weird stuff that's happened in tennis, including tennis run-ins with the KGB, wacky Suzanne Long Long stories, and a whole bunch of people in tennis poisoning one another at various times, Canton's book has you covered. Similarly, you all have us covered with incredible support you've shown for NCR during this quarantine period. With lots of new backers continuing to sign up for our Patreon, Corey and I love to see it, really. It's been awesome. The uh, gratitude we feel for the work we're doing during this time, during this week, doing these daily shows. Through the Patreon, that's how we, I mean, the tweets and everything are great too, but the Patreon's a very clean or easy metric of that and it's been really cool to see that you guys are enjoying this and supporting the show and want to keep going so we really do appreciate that if you want to support us on patreon you can go to patreon.com slash no challenges remaining to find out how to do so there we have two new people to thank today who signed into our patreon since we last did a show signed up for it i should say they include lee angel and steven tidings so thank you to lee and steven and then we get to thank our slam champ backers every episode and they are 
Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Mary Carrillo, Chuang Nguyen, Betty, Audrey Wellens, Sean Mulroy, Joseph Har, Susanna W., and Antonio Maycumber. And then our GOAT backers, we thank every show as well. They are Mike, J-O-D, and Charles Cena. Again, if you want to support us on Patreon and join that list of and hear your name on the show, hopefully we pronounce it correctly, feel free to give us a guide how to pronounce it. You can go to patreon.com slash no challenges remaining to join in there. And also you can follow us on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis and send us emails also no challenges remaining at gmail.com. That's it from week one of the U.S. Open. It was interesting. Not a ton of tennis results talk on here, but a lot of other stuff going on. We'll be back with you to the fourth round tomorrow. The matches start getting more important. And it should be a good second week. This lineup we're getting for the uh, for the fourth round looks pretty solid. Some, Especially on the women's side, I gotta say. There could have been some odd things happen with the draw and who wasn't here. But I really do think it's held up really well. And including Svetlana Parankova, our day two guest, into the fourth round. Incredible. Nuts. Crazy. We love to see that also. And we love to see you guys. Bye.